And I assume you still want Shave of the Sharp to clap. I think we should all clap. Okay. Count us down. Three, two, one. We have always <laughs> done three every single episode since the beginning of fucking creation. We have done three claps. Yeah. I'm glad we can record that. That's recorded, right? Yeah. Okay, good. We have to add that somewhere. Should we do it again? gentlemen boys and girls to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world let's get ready to gamble my name is tony cavallo and as always i'm joined by matthew dangles d'angelo antonio and shape of the sharp drew shaver crooks and we are the west coast gamblers a proud member of the evergreen podcast network and the only gambling show that makes you money and this is a special show today fellas this is a real good one because for the first time in over two years All three of the West Coast gamblers are in the same room at the same time recording this podcast. I can see Dangles to my right. I can see Drew from Michigan to my left. Uh, Put up the beers, boys. We are having a fun one. We're here. Cheers. We are here. We made it. We made it. It's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. And what better day for us to get together when there is so much to talk about, one of the wildest days in the NFL that you will ever see. It started off with everyone thinking it was going to be Aaron Rodgers' day and everyone discussing what his future might be or what it wouldn't be with the Packers. Uh, and it ended up a completely different a completely different day. And this is just one day after the news broke that Calvin Ridley would be missing an entire year for betting on his own team to win to football that. games. And it's like everyone just kind of, it's like, okay, so we're done talking about Calvin Ridley betting on football games now. There's so much, so much that has been happening. It's great to be in the same room as you guys. Finally, on a day, such an an historic day in football. Absolutely a historic day. And I want to get to Drew why he's here in California first. But I just want to let you know that we are in the same room. We don't have our normal, wonderful studio equipment working right now. If you hear a little bit of audio bugs, it's because Dangles' voice reverberates off these walls like none other, that beautiful bass voice. So just give us some mm. slack on a professionally sounding podcast 99% of the time. We're having some fun today. Yeah, have We're you talking... heard the, some of the podcasts that you listen to, how they're produced? This is 20 <laughs> times better than those podcasts. Looking at you, The Athletic. But this is... A show about NFL hot topics because we have to cover it. And also, we're going to be giving out a fast five, getting back into the world of golf. The Players' Championship takes place this weekend. Going to dive into it, a shape for the Sand Trap specialty. And then the rest of the month is all about college basketball and cutting down those nets. But today, a little levity, a little fun, a little breathe easy. Shape for the Sharp, you're back in California. Welcome back, my friend. Guys, I'm so glad to be here with you. I uh, just had an excellent meal prepared by Dangles beautiful wife and you know we're in california uh got a little call for a work gig and uh made it my, might be my last one on the books the old uh former life thank you thank you but had to do it um and uh it's good to be here you know it's a different world in california as i'm sure you can imagine being uh living in kalamazoo for the last uh almost i guess almost two years now right yeah. but um good to see your faces and uh Love being back, visiting, excited to go home and see my family, my child, the young Colt. But um, 
dude, let's let's talk some football, guys. Let's talk and some, some players' championship. This let's wasn't the plan. This was not the plan to do any football on this no, show. We no. were going to let free agency pass us by and do a recap show at the end, even with all the franchise tag news, all that stuff. We were going to let it all happen and do a big show at the end. But so much happened this very morning that we need to talk about it. And uh, I, I, Dangles, we should talk about Ridley. We should talk about Russell. But I think we're going to start with my guy, Aaron. Aaron Rodgers. It was the first news that broke. Aaron Rodgers coming back to the team. Long rumored. It, was, it wasn't as uh, in the it, like 50-50 as it was last year. He's back on the team. One more last dance, last chance. I yes. get to make all those God, jokes thanks. once again. God. Uh, Drew, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers coming back to the NFC North, which has only gotten weaker? With all due respect, uh, Tony Squares, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Aaron Rodgers right now <laughs> because I think there's more compelling issues to talk about. I think he was closer to leaving last year personally. That's just my opinion. Leaving the team or leaving the NFL? Leaving the team. Leaving the team. Okay. You can't you can't potentially leave the NFL when you're a back-to-back MVP winner. Um, and listen, you know, I think you said it best in our text or Tony. We're gonna wait to see the details of this contract, two hundred million. Obviously, one fifty plus guaranteed is a lot of money. Well, he says those de- details aren't true. He said himself in a in a Twitter post that whatever the details that had been reported were not the details of his contract and that he would be playing with the Packers, but he didn't release any. So we don't even know Better what yet. the details of those deals. So no reason to talk are. about the contract. If you believe Aaron, well, who, yeah. is a no notorious, no. who is a notorious truth fudger. No, that contract was the one that Green Bay leaked to the press that they offered Aaron, and that's why Schefter ran with it. Uh, or not Schefter, Rappaport ran with it because those were the numbers that Green Bay said they offered Aaron in this the beginning of this whole charade, charade, whatever. Um, both, but yeah, so, but I do think Aaron's coming back on a smaller number deal, but you're not wrong in saying 200 million, 153 guaranteed was on the table, which is a lot, a of, lot money. of money. Yeah. It's basically what we get paid to do this podcast. Um, and also, <laughs> I, I also, you know, I never thought dangles. I'm, I'm sure you can chime in here. I never thought there was a chance in hell that the Packers were going to let him walk. Uh, even his playoff shortcomings. I'm not trying to pick on Tony squares here. His playoff shortcomings, back-to-back MVPs. He's obviously, you know, a elite quarterback in the twilight of his career. He was going back to Green Bay, and I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised. I mean, I don't think it's newsworthy. Is what I'm well, trying to say. I don't think. It's, I don't think it's a big breaking news. Wouldn't they? Oh my have, God, Rogers going back to the Packers. Wouldn't they have had to let him walk? And wasn't it wasn't part of his contract that he would have? He had an out after the season. That no, doesn't. That's no, not he, part he, of the. The the contract was changed last year to give him an out after next season. I'm after this 2022 year concluded. Mm-hmm. Um, he was signed past 2023 last year, and that's what they waived to oh, do okay. 2022. I it was this year, so I was, was going to say one more year under contractual uh, control by Green Bay, but he was due 47 million dollars against the cap. Because I was, was going to say year. if if he was if he was had an out and then took this deal, that obviously says to me that that deal was better than anything he was going to probably find somewhere else. I mean, no you are chance. You are talking about a 38-year-old guy here who did just win two back-to-back. The MVP, number two-ranked quarterback on our QB MVP, ranking. Yes, absolutely, and deservedly so. You could do – I think two things can be true. I think you can be question questioning whether or not he's actually going to do it for the Packers in the long run because to this point we've seen that he can't seem to get it done when it matters. Now you could argue over whether or not this year was a good example of that because the special teams choked that game away against the the 49ers. I don't want to talk about in it. In that divisional game, but we've seen his inability to win when the lights are the most bright, but you could do a lot worse than re-signing the two-time or the back-to-back MVP to your team for another 4 years. But 
Like, are we just assuming that he's going to play, continue to play at this level? Like, right. I mean, I guess that's the question. Brady's, I I, lo- I think, I feel like every time we talk about a player playing into almost his 40s, everyone goes, well, Brady did it. Yeah, Brady's the fucking outlier. Absolutely. He's not the rule. He's the exception. It's not going to be like there's a million guys that are going to play into their 40s until they're 44 and be winning Super Bowls. And that's just the difference right there. And that's the last thing I'll say is that at 44, Brady is still winning Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has won one, and he's 38 years old. Thank see, you for reminding me of that See fact. Big Ben, see the Manning brothers, see Phillip Rivers once they reach you know, 38, 39 years old. But – what I want to say, Tony, real quick, and I want to switch subjects because I think there is more compelling topics in the NFL than Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. But two years ago, a lot of controversy. The Packers ruffled the feathers of their two-time MVP by drafting uh, Jordan Love with their first-round pick. Now, available. It appears that he's available. So, are we? Is it safe to say that that pick is a little buyer's remorse uh, at this point? They a first-round pick on Jordan Love when. He's going to play out the duration of his rookie contract while Aaron Rodgers is making fifty million dollars a year. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you could That's say that. Good. You could also say the same thing about the Jimmy Garoppolo draft pick. Was that a better's buyer's remorse pick when they drafted him? They took a chance. It didn't. It's not going to work out. They tried to look into the future and look into the crystal ball. It didn't work out. They also Aaron before that year was not playing back-to-back MVP levels. He was good. He was fucking Aaron Rodgers, but he was not the best in the world. Um, and that chip on his shoulder kind of brought him there. And I will say, while Jordan Love is available for trade, any GM listening right now, feel free, bring it over. We'd love to send him away. Uh, a man that is a team that will not be calling Green Bay is the Denver Broncos. Wow. Because no, they, they made not. a trade today. Two first-round picks this year and next year. Two second-round picks this year and next year. A fifth-round pick next year for Russell, Hustle, and Bustle Wilson is now in the AFC West with Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. Four quarterbacks in that division all made the top 10 in our QB rankings. And Russell now goes to the Denver Broncos, who had the third best defense in the league last year, and now have one of the best quarterbacks in the league and arguably the toughest division in the league. And the NFC, last thing I'll say about Green Bay, Got a hell of a lot easier with yes. Brady and Russell leaving that yeah. world. Hell yeah. But now he's in Denver. Let's talk about Denver first before we talk about RIP Seattle, rest in peace, our first gravestone of the year next year. But Russell's in Denver. I, I didn't really expect it to happen. I knew he wanted to be out of Seattle. But the fact that Pete Carroll and that organization actually traded the best quarterback to ever play for them, a Super Bowl winner, a guaranteed guy who can win you a game no matter what's happening, on a pretty damn good offensive team that had a lot of shitty things happen to him this year, is insane to me. And did they get enough? Did they get enough for Russell? They got Noah Fan, who's a very good tight end, Drew Locke, who's not a very good quarterback, and Shelby Harris, who's a pretty high-paid defensive lineman, so people respect him enough to pay him that money, and five picks. Was that enough for Russell Wilson? They sold the farm. Denver doesn't care. They're getting Russell. I mean, what what's the mindset here? I think, personally, I think this is a rare trade, a rare trade, kind of like the Stefan Diggs, to the Bills for the Jordan Jefferson draft pick. Just, sorry, I always say it. Justin Jefferson draft pick. That was advantageous to both parties. Yes, it was. And I think that this is a trade that is completely advantageous for both parties, and I'll tell you why. The Broncos, holy shit. Like, when Dangles texted us this morning, I was like, oh, my God. You're betting me over again. <laughs> four, four straight here. It's, it's going to be an 11 and a half. I'm going over. I'm over. But, like, it makes sense. I, I'd like to. I want to listen back to the shape of the sharps quarterback pairings, but like Russell Wilson on the Broncos makes so much sense. 
It really does. They have a young, good, talented receiving core. They have two adequate running backs. Oh, I, they I, have think, a, I think Javante Williams is much more than adequate. They have a yeah. top five oh, yeah. defense, right? And and like that city embraces that team. Yes. Okay. So God, there's, there's like, already a billboard to, up in to, Denver. To get to get that change of pace, to get that kickstart on a second act of your career, like Russell Wilson, how corny he is, whatever. I think I just I just think it's a great trade for the Broncos. On the contrary, you look at the Seahawks. Now, yes, they, they are trading the best quarterback in franchise history, one that brought them a Super Bowl, and it was a Marshawn Lynch. Sorry, Dangs. Uh, one yard away from winning another you one. You don't have to be sorry. <laughs> yeah. We won. <laughs> yeah, but but Malcolm for, Butler for, made sure of that. But for them, if you watched that team last year, something wasn't clicking, and it looked like Russ was on his way out. And I think the haul they got, Tony. For Russ, you mentioned the five picks. You mentioned the players, which I think at this way are throwaways. The headline is not Drew Locks a Seahawk today, uh, and that won't be the headline moving forward. But now the Seahawks have a top ten pick. They have this kind of this this quarterback class that's a little mysterious, and I think they can really now they can swing at a quarterback with their draft, yeah. and I think they really can develop. And and again, the question is going to be. How's DK going to react to this, right? How's Tyler Lockett going to react to this? These are, the, I, I wouldn't think so. These are world class receivers. Now they get Russ out of there. We'll see. I, I, I like the trade for both parties because I don't think Russ was, I don't think Russ was meant for the long game in Seattle. And I love what the Broncos did. And you said, Tony, I'll end with this. I, in my, in my head, you look at the AFC now Mahomes, Allen, Russ, Herbert, Burrow, Carr. Holy shit. I mean, holy shit. Like, Good luck getting out of that division, and and Mac, even you forgot, Mac. Forgot about Lamar. And Lamar, oh my God, you know. <laughs> know. So 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 if, if if you're in the NFC, and you're the Packers, you, you you're signing Rodgers. I mean, beyond like, beyond Dak, like who in the NFC is even in that discussion? It's it's Dallas, the Rams, and the Packers. Period. And again, I'm gonna say I'm just gonna kind of play the Stafford card and say we'll, we'll see Stafford running back. I, I'm curious if he will run back. My odds say he won't, but curious but wow what a trade what a headline dangles uh, i mean we can all say as long as jerry judy doesn't have a foursome he's going to be in russ's good side <laughs> here but what's what's up with your seattle take your denver take I here mean, what, what russell wilson a new man in a new city you know you'd think that uh, you know we talk about just our quarterback rankings just having come out and and you know i had i had russ kind of lower uh i think than you guys did and expected but this is i mean to me this is a a move by the seattle seahawks that look you know if they if the Seahawks thought he was a top five quarterback or maybe even a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, he'd probably still be on the Seahawks. They would have kept him. You're they would still have, they would against have, this Russell. They would have figured out. What's that? You're still against Russell on this. No, I'm not against him. I, I, I'm I'm glad he got out of there. He wanted out of there. I think I think I think it's also telling that the Seahawks and I, I kind of go the other way with you here, Drew. I think they might not try and draft. And I think if they're smart, they won't try and draft a quarterback this year and go drew lock for the year or and Gino, no, Gino. Or, or, or Ryan Gino, or try and go get a guy like James for a year and, and, that, and, Davis, and, and ride it that. and ride it for a little bit. Wait until next year when you have maybe a better quarterback crop, get someone to help out. Cause to me, if they really thought that they could, you know, 
I don't know. Why wouldn't they also ask for someone young to supplement in this trade? As opposed to a draft pick, why not go after like a Patrick Sertan or, or a Bradley Chubb to fill a need that you really have on that on that young growing team if you really thought you're gonna because if you wanna you're gonna draft a quarterback, I mean either way, whether you draft a quarterback, that team's not built to win now, right? They're not winning next year. They have to know that by trading Russell away. They're not winning next year. I, I don't know. I if I'm them, I'm kind of trying to lean more towards I want I don't like the quarterback class this year very much. I don't know that I want to roll the dice on the next franchise guy for the Seattle Seahawks after Russell Wilson in a mediocre, like B tier quarterback class. I might try and get somebody, you know, somebody great. I don't know. I've seen Sauce Gardner going as low as seven. I don't know if he could fall any farther than that, but like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like they could get themselves somebody they really need. Some offensive line protection would be a good start for them because that's one of the big reasons why Russ wanted out of Seattle in the first place was because he was spending half the year on his ass. Uh, or, you know, again, something to help out that something to help out that defense because they got a nice young tight end now. They've we've seen something out of Rashad Penny. Chris Carson's very good when he can stay on the field. And they've got one of the better receiving cores that you'll find out. There. Mm, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I will say this. First of all, Dangs, I love Jameis Winston, the Seahawks. I think that's a great, great fit. I really do. That's, yeah. a, fan, that's a fantastic fit. And I know the situation is completely different, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But once upon a time. Peyton Manning was an elite quarterback in the NFL and he had some serious neck problems and the Colts went one in 15, wherever they were. And they had the number one pick and Andrew Luck was the best quarterback generationally to come out in many, many years. And it was this whole thing. I remember, remember that it was like, they're going to, they're, they're going to keep them both, you know, and everyone like, knew it. That yeah, was the thing. Yeah. Everyone knew luck was, gonna luck be was going to be a stud, the Colts, right? There was no were, question about yeah, that. And, and, and what Peyton did. And again, this is different because he was a little older than Russ, maybe a little more, uh, I would say, but honestly, at this point, is his career that much more decorate, decorated than Russ at this point when he went to the Broncos and completely revived his career and had that second act in as a quarterback? And we all know what happened. Won a Super Bowl, had the amazing season where they got beat by the Joe Flacco-led Ravens. But I kind of got reminded of that today when Russ went to the Broncos. Like, that's exactly what Peyton Manning did. Different circumstances. Again, he was injured. They got the number one pick. Col- the Colts kind of like, kind of valeted him out of there, if you will. But... I mean, look what he did with that with that change of scenery. So I think it's a slam dunk for the Broncos. I think Russ is going to be early, early March, middle of March take. Russ is going to be awesome. Yeah. I think he's going to be awesome because last year he kind of looked disinterested. A little, little he, MVP conversation. I mean, but the AFC, what an, what a, what, what's the term? An embarrassment of riches they have yeah. at quarterback. An embarrassment of riches. Yeah. And so you've even, still got two guys in that division who've never won a playoff game. Even the younger ones, like they got Trevor <laughs> Lawrence in that conference. You got Mac Jones in that conference. Like there is a lot going on there. And I will say about the draft quarterbacks, I like Malik Willis a lot more than I see him, but I, I'm very happy, guys. I have larger hands than Kenny Pickett. I measured it myself. <laughs> Congratulations. I have larger hands than Kenny Pickett. Didn't help me play quarterback, but I, I, I got bigger hands, buddy. Um, and as you said, Jameis Winston to uh, C- Seattle makes a lot of sense. Free agency is coming up. And a, a guy that was going to hit free agency and was going to make a lot of fucking money is no longer playing in the NFL. And that's because Calvin Ridley went and bet $1,500 on three parlays, a supposed three-team, five-team, and eight-team parlay, one of us, 
Uh, and he got caught because the genius app or whatever that the NFL uses tracks all the betters in the world and reports back to the NFL. So if you are an NFL officiated player, official player, coach, whatever, and you bet on an NFL game, you're going to get caught. And Calvin Ridley got the ass end of a deal here by being suspended for the entire calendar year. Again, set to make more money than God in free agency, arguably the top wide receiver on the market with all these other guys getting franchise tagged. And now he's not playing at all. I understand you have to stop. You have to make a hard line. You cannot bet on NFL games if you are an NFL player. Calvin was away from the team for mental health reasons when he made this bet. He did bet the Falcons to win in there, which is his team that he played for. Do you think it's kosher that they suspended him for a full calendar year for this? Obviously, setting an example for the rest of the NFL. Do you think it's unfair to Calvin, or do you think this guy, you know, he's you shouldn't have done it. You're stupid for even thinking you could for not giving your buddy $1,500 to bet for you that I might do when Schaefer the Sand Trap is back in Michigan. Don't listen to that, California. But uh, do you think it's fair? Do you think this was a fair move by the NFL to spend a guy for a whole calendar year? You know, I think it's very easy today, especially when, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so great to put a hot take out there on Twitter and everyone likes it and to be the first one to set it. And that's cool. And that's desirable in society today. But I think what's, what gets lost is that two things can be true at the same time. This can be both what the NFL had to do and the right course of action, because you can't have, you just like, I don't think it's that hard to wrap your head around why you can't have players betting on games regardless of who they're betting on. I will say, you know, we Calvin Ridley says he has no inside information or had no inside information on his team. The NFL, it seems like, believed him in his investigation. And I would say just from a logical standpoint, that tracks considering what you would think if he had inside information, he probably wouldn't have been betting parlays. He probably would have been betting outright or something else. Or he else. knew he was going to make $11 million in free agency. He didn't give a fuck yeah, about $1,500. Yeah, you wouldn't bet $15 fucking $100 on parlays if you had inside information on a team to win. So I think we can put any question about that to bed. But I think I think it's okay to think that this kind of punishment is silly in through the lens of looking at the way that the NFL punishes other issues with players off the field when it comes to things like domestic violence. But I also think it's okay to be like, this is what had to happen. And Calvin Ridley seems to understand what he did was wrong and that he's, you know, he obviously lost out on a bunch of money and his actions weren't right. Like, do he, I he, wish there was a different way to get about it? Yeah, because like he shouldn't lose out on, he shouldn't lose out on playing money. an entire year of, of football when Tom Brady got suspended four games for literally doing nothing. It's life-changing money. And not only that, He's gonna the next time he signs a contract, we know we've seen this a thousand times before, it'll be a one year prove it deal. He's not gonna get the money he was offered right now. And unless he comes back to his vengeance like Calvin Ridley can, he may never get this chance again to make a four year, twenty million dollar a year uh, deal, which is what he was gonna get in free agency this year. He's gonna make like sixty to eighty million. And now it's all gone for a fifteen hundred dollar bet. Shape of the sharp, you're the quote unquote professional gambler on this show. You've been doing this more than all of us combined. What's your take on this? Is it a fair deal? Do you think you got the hard end of a deal? What's going on? So my takes, my takes interesting. And I, I listened to a source that I really respect today on a uh, familiar podcast and I couldn't agree with him more. So Dangles, you referenced that the stance that NFL takes on off the field issues, um, domestic violence, you know, Ray Rice, 
People saw that video. His career is done. He was 26 years old, by the way. And I'm not saying he should have played again, but his career was done. 26 years old, done. Deshaun Watson, he's not convicted of any of these crimes. He didn't play for a whole year. Again, he might, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on either side of the fence on this. I'm just saying the NFL takes a hard stance. But, okay, domestic violence, the Adrian Peters thing with, with the child abuse, those issues don't affect the outcome of a game. The gambling partners of the NFL, I think they made some like $270 million last year in their first year. You can't, I'm sorry, <laughs> you can't be an active player and, not, and you can't bet, you just can't do it. I think it's black and white and, 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 I, and I don't think there's many things that are black and white, but like you cannot be an active player in any of the major professional sports organizations and bet on sports. It's black and white. So I think the punishment was fair. I don't think it was excessive, but I don't think it was too little. Um, and what I'll say is, unfortunately, with Calvin Ridley, who obviously I've never met. I don't have a relationship with him. I don't know anything about his personal life. I know he took some time off this year to focus on his mental health. So maybe he has some stuff going on between his ears. But a really, really peculiar decision from an IQ standpoint to put your information on a digital platform to wager real dollars in a league that you're currently employed on and getting paychecks from. And I think, I think hopefully, unfortunately, on the expense of Calvin Ridley, I hope this, you know, I hope this doesn't, <laughs> I hope this is a good example for players to not do this because as you referenced, Tony, as someone who's made <clears throat> large bets of major quantities for other people legally, because I'm in the position to do that, I'd be happy to take your bets. I'd be yeah, happy. To, yeah. I'd be happy to take your bets. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, give me a call. And so for me, when when I heard this, I was shocked, but I really thought this is a guy that is maybe just a hardcore degenerate. Maybe he's literally trying to win money, like our friend Pete Rose, friend of the pod, like. Like maybe he's really trying to like get in some like may, like bet all this money, but for him to bet fifteen hundred dollars on a couple parlays and actually put his information in Florida on a digital platform is it's jaw dropping. It's me. amazing. Uh, it, 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 it's it's it, question it, it's questionable, but it's all you know what I mean. It's like it's but it's I guess my point it, is like does he, did he understand what he was doing? Like it's like it's kind of like. Well, you it, could ask it, the same question about Henry Ruggs, couldn't you? Did he understand what he was? If, why would you? Think, why would you think, get behind the wheel of a car? I, I don't think that's the same. I, I, it's, I'm not trying to draw a direct equivalency here, but I'm saying but, that from the from the point of view of like if you're just if it's like why would he do it? I, I would say the same thing about Henry Ruggs. Why I, in the world, if you are a millionaire athlete, can you not call a car to get yourself home? Because the NFL and Every channel you look at doesn't advertise drink and drive, and it's a good thing to do every second of every day on every television. No, screen. that is a, that is um, true. In my opinion, the NFL is raking in money after money after money over something that they used to shun. Like they they literally spent billions of dollars fighting New Jersey to not have sports gambling legal because they didn't want this. They did they didn't want it in Vegas. The NFL didn't want sports gambling at all for the longest time. Now the tide has completely turned. More gambling, the better partnering with particular teams, a casino in an actual arena. Like it's just in our lives now and it's not going anywhere anytime fast. 
the thing that that makes me the maddest is no drew you I, I agree with you you cannot bet on games if you're an nfl player i will absolutely be okay and if they're tracking this they are they we know that now they're tracking this if drew schaefer crookson puts a bet in there it goes to the nfl and they make sure drew isn't on an nfl team i that they're doing that now oh yeah I don't really because that's how he got caught. I don't understand why Calvin Ridley can't make a bet on an NFL game that is not involving the current team he is on. I don't see why that would be a problem. You could say, well, he has a buddy on the Vikings and he knows the Vikings are going to do this on Sunday. We could have a buddy on the Vikings. That doesn't mean we can't make a bet on the Vikings. Like the the mother, the the, the family member, they, they can make bets on the Vikings and the Vikings players can't. I would be fine with a... NFL player being allowed to make a bet on a, in, a, in a game, uh, uh, in, in a parlay or whatever, that does not involve their team. I'd be a-okay with that because everyone else is getting accepted to do it. And if they're going to draw a hard-line stance on that not being allowed, okay. But to suspend this guy for 17 games is... It, the, the punishment would have been just as dire if they suspended him for half the season. The punishment would have been just as dire if they made it the largest suspension since Josh Gordon, but not a full calendar year. Because once again, it's got to be apples and oranges. This can't be a black and white thing. You got to understand that this guy made a mistake for $1,500 and you're costing him $80 million. He's coming into a free agency year. If he had a secure contract, if he had just signed for whatever and he's gone this team for the and he's missing a year, that's different. But this guy's about to make more money. This is his life goal. And you're taking it away from him for a $1,500 bet. That to me is too much. And I understand you're making an example of him, but you could have made an example with eight games just as well. Only counterpoint to that, Tony. Only counterpoint to that. In Ricky, in the Ricky, help me out with this word, dangs. It starts with an S. Is it called, um, syn- so I'm going to fuck it up. So, rookie synops- synopsis, yeah. whatever. Synopsis, uh, s- <laughs> symposium. Symposium, there thank you. Okay. I know this from being on Twitter. They have specific, <laughs> they, they have specifically uh, they have something about getting a, a car service. They have something about uh, money management. Yeah, money management, and they have they pound it into the brains of these athletes coming out of college over and over. You cannot gamble on the outcome of these games, and they have it posted on the locker room. They have it posted in minor league baseball locker rooms. It's just an un, it's, it's it's the rule of the fraternity that you are a professional athlete. You are not allowed to engage in gambling. If you're a professional athlete, and this is coming from someone who loves gambling more than I would say 99.9% of you're people, not, you're and also can't allowed, do it. You're also not allowed to take a banned substance, and that's in the rookie symposium. And yet, if you do, it's a four-game suspension. Like there's rules in it that there's again, but those okay, yeah, they don't I, affect I the outcome say, of a game. I, I agree with you, absolutely. They don't affect the outcome of a game. But to me, this was like uh, such a hard, hard. A suspension that it's too because much. I, I think I think I think the issue I mean the, it sounds might sound simple but I think the issue is it's a slippery slope if you let yeah. one guy do it then you have to play arbiter to every single issue that comes up and not every single issue is going to be this cut and dry where it doesn't seem like he had insider information and he wasn't you know trying to leverage something he knew that other people didn't it seems like and yes it was it was absolutely dumb and I think that's my point like I think both things can be true. Like, like remember the remember the sprinter from the U.S. Shakari Richardson who got suspended from the Olympics because she smoked pot. It was a Fucking joke. stupidest thing in the it's world. A joke. It's a joke, right? But it's against the rules. It's against the rules. You can't do that. Do I think it's bullshit personally? Absolutely. Do I think she should have been allowed to compete at the Olympics because it's her lifelong dream and because she fucking earned it? Absolutely, I do. She should have, but it's 
it's against the rules. And if you make and and as a league, as a governing body, if you make an exception for one person, you it's like you know. And this you hear these kinds of things argued on like the Supreme Court all the time. And the reason they won't overturn certain things is because of that slippery slope, right? Because if you let one person do it, you have to let every person do it, or at least. Or arbitrate that individual, and they might not be prepared to do that. So, I mean, it sucks, and you know, it's. But to your point, it was stupid, and he shouldn't have. It's crazy. He shouldn't have bet fifteen hundred dollars, knowing probably because I can't imagine the NFL has doesn't have it written somewhere. If you gamble on a it, game, you will be suspended for an entire year or up to this. It lays out. It has to lay that out very specifically because that'd be an easy legal route for any player to, to exploit, right? If they didn't, well, you didn't lay it out clearly how long. He knew what the rule was. He disobeyed it. It doesn't matter how much he put on it. It doesn't matter. And nothing else matters. He knew what the rule was. He disobeyed it. And it is as you, and I think that it's one of those like unspoken rules in a way you too. You know what I mean? Like that kind of, I don't know, for whatever reason has been given more importance over the years. Well, that's it for Calvin Ridley's season. And that's it for us talking about the NFL hot topics for the day. It's now time to convert to a completely different sport. For the first time this calendar year, we are getting back into the world of golf. We are talking about the fifth major the players championship giving yes. out a fast five shave of the sand trap returns a fast five from each of the hosts and that's coming up next west 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 coast gamblers hi this is comedian and writer and let's be honest i do a lot of things this is dean archipotis the host of whiskey business the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, listeners, as we said, we're talking the Players' Championship, the fifth major. It's time to talk a little golf. And if you think we're doing this off the cuff, you would be wrong because I have research for this podcast. I'm very excited about diving back in to the golf world. Dangles. Players' Championship. Where are we going? Ah, I love it. We're just outside of Jacksonville, technically Ponte Vedra Beach, but it's North Florida, and it is just off the water. And this is you're going to hear this if you're listening to other podcasts, if you're reading up on the players as we head into this uh, this week. It's all the talk is about the weather. All the talk is about the storm that's blowing. There's like a cold front that's supposed to come in on Sunday. It's supposed to be windy. And this is like, this is legitimately, boys, there's a road called A1A that runs along the east coast of Florida, along the Atlantic Ocean. It's from top to bottom of Florida. And this course is legitimately right off of that. So you are on the water with this golf course. So you're getting the wind. You're getting, the, the, and, and think about the fact that this this tournament this year is in March instead of May when it normally is. I know it's Florida and it is warm year round, but it's going to be colder, especially on the water 
at this time of year than it would be in May in Florida. So something to keep in mind as you're trying to handicap this field out here, but we do indeed have the Players' Championship uh, at the stadium course designed by Pete Dye at TPC Sawgrass, one of the most beautiful places you'll ever go to watch golf. I think if you're a golf fan, it should be on your golf bucket list to get there. Catch uh, 16, 17, 18. It's one of the best final stretches you'll find on the Pro Tour, 16, 17, 18, that par 5, that par 3. Uh, and then you come back around to the seats on that 18th uh, par four. Dang, quickly, as someone who has said, not a golfer, doesn't play a lot of golf, what was your experience like that? What was your experience going there on the grounds? Can you speak to that? I as mean, far it's, as, it's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's such a, it's such a well-maintained course. It did was, you watch, you know, were you at 17? Did you see 17? I've seen, yes, I've seen, oh. it's just like watching them actually golf there is incredible. I got to see Tiger play a couple of years there, which was incredible. It's, you know, and it's just, golf events are fun. If you've never been to a pro tour golf event, you should go. The food and beers are not anywhere near as expensive as you'll find at a football stadium or at a baseball stadium. You can kind of just go where you want to go, post up at the holes you like for the golfers that are going to be there. It really allows you to be in control of your sport, a sports experience. Um, but this year's going to be Interesting with all this weather, uh, fellas. We've got a couple of uh, favorites right now. Justin Thomas and John Rahm are 10 to 1 favorites as of right now from our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. And the numbers only get bigger and bigger. They do. That's why and you got to love betting golf. <laughs> uh, we're going to be giving out five bets each on this show. All these bets you can take at our friends at DraftKings. And I'm very excited to get into it. I will say personally, my first two are more fun bets. My last three are guarantees based on the oh, research I've done. Golfing's easy to bet on. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. But Dangles, let's start off this fast five. Let's go with you, my friend. Each of us are going to give out one bet, rotate it. What's the first bet of the day for the Players Championship? Oh, this is a stupid bet, but I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going to run I'm going to run with it because it's a it's fun and I and I want to do it. Do you guys know that since 2016 there have been three aces on 17? <laughs> In the Players' wow. Championship, three whole aces. That's not easy to do. I'm going to go with yes on hole-in-one on 17, plus 250. It's not a terrible number. It's not a great number, but I'm going to go with it. I think there will be a hole-in-one this year. I just feel like there will be. I don't have any. It's just a gut feeling. I've got it. I'm running with it. Let's do it. Hole-in-one, plus 250 on DraftKings. Dangles, I'll go next because mine is a fun prop as well. I was tempted to take – this is a prop on DraftKings. You can take uh, the field versus Justin Thomas, Rom, Rory, and Morikawa. As Dangles said, top four on the board. That foursome's getting plus 330 to win it all. Didn't take that one, though, although I looked at it long and hard. The other prop I'm going to take on the first bet for my Fast Five, will the winner of the tournament be in the final pairing on the final day? I'm saying no at plus 200. No at plus 200, meaning any other person in the world heading into the final day that's not in the final two wins the actual tournament in the end. Let's go with a no. It's my first bet. Shave of the Sharp. Well, boys, usually I have a, a whole uh, list of notes. I've been prepping for years, months, days, hours. Uh, I've been working 16-hour days in L.A. for the last five days, but I have bet more on golf up to this point than any, of my, than any other time in my life. I am prepped. This is a little bit in real time, boys, and I'm going to tell you right now. My first bet, just saw it. I love it. I'm going to play a top 40. As you guys know, my sweet spot. I've hit two outright winners this year to this point. Joaquin Neiman and my man Tom never makes a bogey. Hoagie. He is a premium <laughs> ball striker, a flusher, as we call it. We're going to go Tom Hoagie, top 40 at Tony, plus 160. You look distraught. You look distraught, Tony Squares. What's your second bet, Tony? Did he steal your bet? Well, this sucks. Uh, 
This sucks. Uh, we end this show. That when we do the Fast Five, we end this show with the backup, the Brinks truck bed of the week, the guarantee, the one that we. <laughs> well, that is not. That is that not what I'm gonna be going to be having to be absolute guarantee. <laughs> and I have research to back it up. I'll get into the research later, but I'm going to jump the gun. My fifth bet and my second bet given on the show, my backup, the Brinks truck bet, is Tom Hoagie to be top forty at plus one sixty. Listen, I have research <laughs> to back it up. I'm going to tell Drew about it later. Great, but. All I can tell you right now before I get to that research is don't uh, Google image search Tom Hoagie because you'll take away all confidence you have in the man. Just know that this bet is going to hit. Tom Hoagie, top 40, is my second bet of the day. Jumping the gun, Drew. Great bet. Great way to start it off. I can't, out of all the fucking golfers in the world to do anything in, in the in the tournament, we both have Tom Hoagie plus 40. Dangles, what's your second bet of the day? My second bet, I'm also going to do a top 40 bet. Uh, but I'm going to bet on Justin Rose to finish in the top 40. This guy is a wily old vet who always seems to find his way into the upper echelon of some of these. And this isn't even a major. This is the quote-unquote fifth major. But I went back and I actually looked at some of his his past showings at majors. Tied for eighth at the 2021 PGA Championship. Ninth at the 2020 PGA Championship. Tied for third at the 2019 U.S. Open. Tied for second at the 2018 Open Championship. This guy shows up when the lights are bright on the big courses. And he's played this course a bunch over his career. Justin Rose always seems to find a way into the conversation. Somehow, I'm going to bet him to finish in the top 40 at plus 140. Drew, what's your second bet? And please don't take one of mine. All right, I'm going to go top 20, okay? I'm going to go to a Florida native that just had it kind of a little bit of a choke fest in the Honda Classic, was had a five-stroke lead and lost it, did not win. But Danny Berger is in excellent form and he's a Florida guy and he's a great wind player and dangles. You referenced the weather earlier. If this guy is a immaculate wind rain player and he loves this course has had great results there. Danny Berger, Berger boy plus 175 top 20. That's my guy, Florida state alum, Danny Berger top 20 dangles back to you. Bet number three. Bet number three, I'm also going to do a top 20. Uh, I'm going to go Hideki Matsuyama to finish in the top 20 at plus 120. I don't have much to say about this other than he's been in great form. We know what he can do. He's a Masters winner. And I feel pretty good about taking the 11th ranked golfer in the world to finish in the top 20 here this weekend. I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama, top 20 finish, plus 120. All right, last fun bet I'm going to give out. <clears throat> I did this five times last golf season. It's the nationality bet. I went 4-1 and one in my nationality bets. This one, we're going to Scotland, and we're going to a man named Russell Knox versus a man named Martin Laird. Listen, Martin Laird won me a good one last year. I'm doing it again. Yeah. Martin Laird <laughs> Why not? to beat yeah. Kevin uh, Ru- Kevin Knox. Martin Laird to beat <laughs> Russell Knox as the best Scott in the Players Championship at plus one ten. That's my third bet of the day. Let's go, Marty. It wouldn't be a pod without Schaefer the Sh- God. I can't say that Schaefer the Sand Trap. I'm going to piggyback off your nationality bet, Tony, because I have one of my own. If you remember when Schaefer the Sand Trap debuted, he had his low Asian. It did not hit. So we're going to get a little more specific. We're going low South Korean, and my guy, Sun J.M., is plus 100. He only has to beat two competitors, uh, Si Woo Kim, who is a a former champ, mind you, at 250 to 1 when he won, and K.H. Lee at plus 310, who is also a great golfer in his own right. But Sun J., we'll hear all the time, 
This is an approach course, tiny greens. He's one of the best iron players uh, in the world. Miscut at Honda, but bounced back nice last week. I have Sunjay M, low South Korean, plus 100. I will say Sunjay M, if we were doing a fast six, Sunjay M top 20 at plus 200 was my sixth bet. It was the last bet I cut off of this list. I love Sunjay M. Also has to do with the research I did, which I will get to as soon as Dangles gives us his fourth bet of the day. My fourth bet of the day, I'm going to go with a matchup bet here, fellas. I'm going to go with a guy who has played this course a lot. I believe he's played 22 events here over the course of his career. Now, the guy who I'm matching him up against is getting a lot of talk coming into this. I've heard his name come up in a lot of discussions about this uh, or, or about the Players' Championship and, 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 and that he's going to play well. But I am taking Sergio Garcia over Matthew Fitzpatrick <laughs> in this matchup at plus 120. Sergio Garcia has he had 22 events on this course. He's finished top 25 in 11 of them, including the last two that he's played at TPC Sawgrass. He knows this course very well. He, I think, he, didn't he finish like second or third last? He recently at the Players, he had an incredible finish. He knows this course well. He's going to play it well. I've got Sergio? him. Yeah, Sergio. Oh, I've he, got, he's a past winner, obviously. Yeah, he's. I've got him over Matt Fitzpatrick plus one oh five. I know that's probably not where the sharp money is going. I know a lot of people like Matthew Fitzpatrick, but I'm going with experience here. I'm taking Sergio at plus one oh five over Matthew Fitzpatrick. So I did some digging on this Players Championship, as it is the first golf pod we're doing on the calendar year, and this was a tweet sent out by a dude that I forget the name of, and I don't really care to give him credit because he's not listening to the pod, but. Four things about this Players' Championship. Nine of the last 11 winners had a four, had a, had a T4 or better in the calendar year leading up to the Players' Championship. 14 of the last winners, 14 straight, were 23rd or better in the last year's Players' Championship. The last five winners were plus 22 in their last start on the tour, and the last 10 all made the cut on their last start of the tour. So, I did some research. Out of the calendar year, I wrote down everyone who had a T4 finish so far this year and then played it against those other three stats. Only one man has done all four. Only one man fits the bill for all four of these. And that's the best player in the world, John Rahm. But three men have three of these and came very close to getting that fourth. One of them, Tom Hoagie, which we already talked about. I already gave out, as Drew did, plus 160 to finish top 40. The other two are going to be my Sandwich. final two bets. <laughs> the other two are going to be my final two bets. The first one, Will Zalatoris. The only thing he missed out is the last time he played, he was T39. No, I'm sorry. He was T38 instead of being T23. But he has all the other uh, uh, qualifications to make this work. And I'm playing a matchup bet. And it involves Dangles, the two golfers you just mentioned. Sergio Garcia, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Will Zalatoris to beat them both at plus mm. 180 is my fourth bet of the day, and we'll save my backup, the Brinks truck bet that's not Tom Hoagie afterwards because it's a man that also fits the bill. By the way, Drew, Sunjm fits three of those as well. So that's why I like Sunjay, and he was just cut. Drew, what's just your cut. fourth bet? Oh, guys, uh, I knew this was going to be a problem. I'm trying to do this in real time. I'm going to do it. Even though this is part of my five, this is what we like to call a long shot. This is a big ticket. This is... Bet a dollar to make a bill. A Washington for a C note. 100 to 1. We're going to go first round leader. I'm going to borrow from our great friend Diamond Dave here. And the first round leader at 100 to 1 
Mr. Brian Harmon. And I'll tell you why I like him specifically. Yes, he has great course history. Yes, he's in decent form. But would you would you believe he's the first tee time out on Thursday? And typically, most of the time, the weather's a little calm in the morning. And then it maybe picks up as the day goes. So he's got, I think he shot 66 three times or less here in the first round in the last like 10 years. Let's just throw a long shot out. Let's go 100 to 1. 100 to 1. Brian Harmon, first round leader. Let's go, Harmy. And after that 100 to 1 bet, it's time to back up the motherfucking Brings truck. Dangles, your fifth bet of the day of the final Fast Five. What do you got for the Players' Championship? All right, I'm going back to the nationality bet. we got a slightly larger field here, but I feel good about this one. And Drew Shaver the Sharp, I know you like this guy. I'm going to go with Cam Smith to be the top Australian. I hate Cam Smith. At plus 225. It is a short field. There's like eight guys involved, but it's a short field. Adam Scott's the only golfer with better odds at 2-1, to and he's currently ranked 34th in the world. Cam Smith, meanwhile, is 10th in the world and has uh, two top five finishes in his last four four events. He's a good putter. He's coming into this this, um, event with, with good form recently. I've got him over Adam Scott as the top Australian Plus 225. I think the next closest guy is Mark Leishman at plus 450. And then Jason Day at plus 550. I like Cam to be the top Aussie here, plus 225. Top Aussie. My backup, the Bringstruck bet of the day. That's not Tom Hoagie, T40, which is my actual backup, the Bringstruck. But I'll go with another bet that I like that fits the bill. The four qualifications I gave you earlier. The only one he doesn't fit is his last start. He tied for 39th in that, but he hits all the other ones. And this is a man that I bet on last year quite a bit, and he won me almost every time, including the first ever nationality bet I did. And that's Abraham answer in his matchup bet over Tyler Gooch. Drew's making a, Drew's making a face. Drew's making a face. He doesn't like Abraham answer or he doesn't like this bet at all. But Tyler Gooch, listen, it's plus 100 for answer. And Tyler Gooch to me, I just had to bet a guy with the last name of Gooch. What's wrong? Is he dead? Did he pull a hammy? What's wrong with answer? On my life, I don't have these written down on my life, on my son's name. My backup, the Bringstruck bet, was going to be Abe answer over Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch. Not Tyler Gooch. Taylor Gooch. We can't do this. Taylor I, Heineke. I was, I, Tyler I Heineke. Looking, I was looking at the matchup. It was. I went through all of them. I love Abe answer. So I'm gonna just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a. A strong, like, <laughs> fist bump, Tony. I will not make that my back of the ring struck. I love that bet. Great job. Abe answer over Taylor Gooch. I love it. Give me about five seconds here. Well, gonna- I, I will say before, after Drew gives out his new backup, the Briggs truck bet on the fly. We will be giving out some winners, some some guaranteed winners, some long shot winners, because again, as Dangle said at the beginning, even the favorite in this is plus 1,000. So if you throw some money on a winner, you never know what could hit. Might as well try it. We have some... Uh, uh, selections for you here. But again, Drew, finish us off. Fast five, back up the brink truck. What do you got? No, this is this is good because I actually did, I did some um, digging in about seven seconds. I really like this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Jordan Spieth. Pretty good player, right? Nice name brand. Tommy Fleetwood, he's kind of the sexy like stack guy. Would you believe, guys, his tournament matchup, Jordan Spieth versus Tommy Fleetwood is minus 110? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I will make my official back up the Brinks truck bet after a strong, 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 uh, just love Tony's uh, hoagie 
or is that, love is hoagie and love is hate. Father Abraham answer. Back of the ring truck. Jordan Spieth over Tommy Fleetwood minus one ten. Let's go players championship fifth major. We love it. We love golf. The winners will give out. I'll go first. Listen, I know he is the favorite, but as I said with my research, no one in the world hit all four of these qualifications except for John Rahm. Plus 1,000 is still a 10-to-1 fucking bet. That ain't bad if you throw $10, win 100 on the best player in the goddamn world. John Rahm to win, and if you want a longer shot, I really like Sun J.M., and it's 50-to-1 for him to come back and win this Players' Championship. As Drew said, he has the game for it. I love Sun J.M. at 50-to-1. Dangles, you got a winner for us? I mean, I did. don't think I listened to a podcast or read an article that did not mention Colin Morikawa coming into this. Everyone is on him. I'm not going to bet on Colin Morikawa because the fact that he's so popular scares me the fuck away from him. Instead, I kind of like, I don't know. I mean, he's got four out of five top 10 or in four out of five top 10 finishes this year in four out of five events I should say Patrick Cantlay this guy's gotta bring home an event at some point right like I know oh, yeah. you don't like him Drew he only won he's, the FedEx in the two playoff events last year so he's doing fine he's he's 20 he's a oh, last year he's a 20 to 1 yeah, he's yeah, yeah. 20 to 1 odds um and I mean if you look at if you look back at the history of the players this is a tournament that churns out some odd winners like you know what i mean like martin keimer henrik stenson fred funk won it one year you know what i mean like th- yeah, the there are some there there's some odd there <laughs> ricky fowler like there's some weird siwoo kim as you mentioned there's some odd winners Rick, in ricky fowler ain't winning it this year again uh, i don't it. think so no um so so you know if this if you're gonna go weird this is actually a good tournament to do. We also haven't talked about um, Victor Hovland yet, who's the third-ranked golfer in the world. He's plus 2,200 You know who here. else we haven't talked about? Uh, what, what if Phil Mickelson's odd to win this uh, Players' Championship? Bagels? Uh, bagel. Yeah, I, I thought so. Drew, uh, you got any winners for us? Yeah, I do. So, Dangles, I, I, like, I like, first of all, Tony, I like your research about Rom, and I love your pick about Cantlay, and I love your intuitiveness about Morikawa. But I think those three guys, as you said, Dangs, like – this is this is like literally picking straws. Like anybody this, could win this. This tournament. tournament specifically, this this tournament specifically doesn't go necessarily in past performance. There's been winners that's missed cuts, even even like current play. It's really hard. In fact, I went on a podcast last year. I think I gave seven picks, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think I don't think I did very well. But <laughs> but I will say. The one guy that no one talked about until I started kind of making the rounds today on the old podcast circuit. There's $3.6 million award to this one of this tournament. There's a $20 million purse in this tournament. I think last place gets like 64 grand. I think the top like 10 get over half a million or something stupid. Thanks, Tiger Woods. And yeah, thank you, Tiger. <laughs> and there's one guy that's known for only caring about majors. He only cares about majors. And he happens to be from Florida. Is it Phil Mickel? Oh, wait a minute. No, no. He's from, he's from Arizona. Um, <laughs> and, he, and, and he happens to be from Florida. And no one's really talking about him that much. And I looked on my odds board right here. And wouldn't you know it? He's like not even on the first page. If you can get Brooks Kepka for 35 to 1 in a tournament of this stature, you have to take him. I don't care if he misses the cut. I don't care if he WDs after the first hole. You have to take him. Because I guarantee one thing, 
Brooks gives a shit about this tournament, even though it's not a major. And it's his home state, and he wants to fucking win. He likes money. He likes trophies. <laughs> Give me Brooks Kepka, 35 to 1, to win the Players' Championship. Let's go. Can't wait. I'm excited. I'm excited oh to watch God, this tournament. And that is all for the West Coast Gamblers, the first in-person recording for over two years. Very happy it happened. Hopefully it happens again in the future. Maybe even Michigan next time so we can all actually make the bets that we're giving out on this show. (laughs) But for Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, for Schaefer, the Sand Trap, Drew Schaefer, Crookson, my name is Tony Cavallo. We are the West Coast Gamblers. And as always, thank you for listening. All right. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.